0: Talk Radio 96.7. We are getting ready to talk some sports in the Ozone. The Ozone tonight with Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the house ready to go. Oh yeah. Brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors turning scrap metal into cash and by Poshi Jewelers, your one stop jewelry shop
1: all right ronnie and coach joe we're gonna throw you a curveball tonight i know you're sitting out there you're hungry and thirsty but you think there's only one sports quiz where you get to eat and drink not true tonight all right here we go 682-1430 is the number and here's what we want to know you get two rib dinners at granger and sons barbecue 8121 u.s highway 98 north and if you've never eaten there you are in for a treat let me tell you all right, here's the question. In the history of Major League Baseball, only one team has ever blown a 3-0 lead, lost four straight in a seven-game series. Was that team A, the New York Mets, B the Houston Astros, or C, the New York Yankees? Four two rib dinners at Grangers Barbecue, 8121 U.S. Highway 98 North. Give us a call, 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Well, Coach Joe, it's good to be back.
2: Hey, yeah, we, we got the band back together. It's All good, right. It's good, to, it's good to see you, Ronnie. You've been doing some important stuff uh, last week with the Lakeland, uh, I guess it was Lakeland Football Banquet,
1: right? It was, and um, as a result of that, we're going to have the brand-new head coach of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts, Marvin Frazier, is going to come on with us tonight. So, I know you people are sitting out there, and you're thinking, "Wait a minute! They can't do a quiz now; they do it at the end of the show." Well, here you go. And people so,
2: saying that uh, probably aren't listening right that's now, right. and
1: and this is so. This is for our really loyal listeners who listen to
2: the entire oh, show. Oh, you got that right. You know, this extra bonus. A uh, rib dinner uh, at uh, Granger's. That sounds terrific. Man, oh yeah! Can Six, I have it instead? You oh know. man, I tell you what. <laughs> we got to give it away, don't we? <laughs> yeah, that gummit.
1: <laughs> Six eight two fourteen thirty. We've got somebody already that's hungry and thirsty. I figured we'd get somebody, Coach <laughs> Joe. We're gonna feed
2: the masses t- tonight uh, for sure with uh, extra. I'm extra hungry, so I imagine our audience is extra hungry. Gary, how are you tonight?
0: Okay.
1: You hungry and thirsty?
0: Sure.
1: All right. (laughs) Only one major league baseball team has ever blown a 3-0 lead, lost four straight in a seven-game series. Name that team. Was it A, the Mets, B, the Astros, or C, the Yankees? The Astros.
2: Oh, no, sir. What year do you think the Astros blew the 3-0 lead? Uh, 76. Mm. Actually, they, they did blow it. Lead, no, that actually was yeah, a,
1: nobody's ever blown 3 0 except this one team, yeah,
2: no, and it wasn't 76. I'm thinking of the 1980 Houston Astros, uh, they played Philadelphia in the NLCS. Now, that was best of five, um, it wasn't a seven game series. I'm thinking, uh, that that was just a back and forth when it won all five games, it was a classic that the Astros actually won that series. Was that so when uh, they had Mike Scott, hey, no, that that was 86. So no, the Philly won it in 1980, yeah. But, uh, but that's not the right answer. Sorry,
0: Gary. Uh, well, Granger and Son's good eating anyways. So. All right. Well, thank
1: you so much, All Gary. Right. Appreciate yep. it. No All welcome. right. Well, we got somebody else that's hungry and thirsty. Alex, how are you? Yeah, I'm good. How are you doing? Fantastic. You hungry and thirsty, brother? All the time. All right. Only one Major League Baseball team has ever blown a 3-0 lead, lost four straight to lose a seven-game series. Name that team. Was it A. the Mets, B. the Astros, or C. the Yankees? I believe it's the Yankees. Oh, you're exactly right. You're exactly oh, right. Okay. See, see, Alex
2: is familiar with the show. I know that if Ronnie's asking that question about something bad happening, oh, yeah. then it's oh, yeah. got to be the Yankees. <laughs> exactly. Is
1: their He's a smart man. Smart man. Well, Alex, congratulations. We appreciate you listening. Eric is going to get your Name information, your credit cards. No, no, he won't do that. <laughs> do not give him <laughs> <laughs> your and, credit card number, <laughs> and don't invite him to go with you. He'll eat both of those rib dinners, and you'll okay, get just nothing. Stop to it eat. Now,
0: just stop it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, he's he's going to put you on hold, and um, he'll be getting your information. And uh, awesome. congratulations. Thank you so much. All right. We appreciate you, you that. You go have
2: a good dinner uh, and call us. Let us know how Granger's was or, you know, uh, join you talk talk more about sports with us another time, okay? No
3: doubt. Definitely, well, let's, definitely. Let's, more about that <laughs> that blow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> well, let's, let's go, go ahead so, and take let's a break. Rain that rain down rain all all game rain by rain game up, later. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Well, let's go ahead and take a break. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. This is Amanda
3: Garchel, 2013 Junior Citrus Open Champion, and you're listening to Ronnie Ocean on the Ozone.
0: Ronnie O and Coach Joe here every Thursday on Talk Radio 96.7 in the Ozone. The Ozone tonight brought to you by Foshi Jewelers and by Allied Scrap Processors. All
1: right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe back in the Ozone, and it's our distinct pleasure to have with us the brand-new head football coach of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts, Marvin Frazier. Coach Frazier, welcome to the Ozone with Ronnie O and Coach Joe.
3: Hey, how you guys doing, man? It's a pleasure to be on.
1: Oh, man, we we couldn't wait to get you on, man. We really appreciate it. Well, you're following a legend there, and tell us how much of what has been going on you're going to keep of the Bill Castle regime, and of course you're going to have to do some things to make it Everybody's different people. So, what kind of adjustments will you make to make it uh, Marvin Frazier's team?
3: Right. Well, you know the, the beautiful thing about working with Coach Kass over the last four years is he's always had a vision about his exit, of course. And believe it or not, he's visionized his system in a more modern way. And uh, he and I have been working behind the scenes for a while now about how that could possibly be. And tell you the truth i always thought it was something that he would implement but obviously you know he might have been preparing me to implement it so there's going to be some things that you guys will see that is all bill castle it just might be with a little more pace it could be a little you know no huddle it, you know different things of that nature but you when you look at it you'll say that's that's bill castle's identity
1: well you got a pretty good team coming back next year don't you and um i'm hearing some rumors about a, a new quarterback we do have a
3: decent I mean, when you look we lost thirty one seniors.
1: Oh my gosh. And
3: yeah, and when you thirty one seniors now those thirty one seniors, uh we're looking at having twenty six of them signed to go play college football. So that's a big chunk. I mean, it's it just is what it is, no matter how you try to sugarcoat it and, and all that good stuff, that's a big chunk of your identity. But the blessing in disguise is that we were able to play a lot of talented kids last year. We rotated a lot. And we do have a good, talented nucleus coming back, a decent amount of kids that have actually been a part of the program since their freshman year, but now it's just a different role. Now they've got to be the man, and they've never had to be that. So uh, the the unknown is kind of, you know, it, it's, it's the, the challenge, really, that everybody has to step up into a new role. So it's not just me that's stepping up into a new role, but it's just about every single player. And uh, as far as the new quarterback we did, we, we got a kid that came in and transferred in and um day one, he's almost kind of like become a leader with these kids, and uh, we're excited about what he can bring to the table.
1: Well, you know, I thought Coach Castle had a great point that he made. You know, he said kids want to play with a winner, and certainly that's been established at Lakeland High School. I tell people I'm so old, I went there when the football team wasn't good. <laughs> I remember joking with you about that, that a while ago. Oh yeah. So talk about the attraction. I mean, you do you get calls, kids saying, "Hey, coach, um, you know, I'm playing over here, and I want to come play with you because I want to be part of that system and I want to be part of that winning."
3: See the thing the, the funny thing is, I've learned to never pick up a number I don't know. Um, and this was this is something that I've learned because so if I get a phone call or a number that pops in my phone, I don't pick it up. And I hopefully someone will leave a voicemail because, you know, these days and age man, it's so easy to get into something dealing with, you know, a recruiting or whatever. So I don't deal with anything like that. And thank God nothing has come across me that has put me in a negative situation. But I know that our program recruits itself. That's the best part about it, you know. Right now, when you when you look around the state of uh, football, I was even in this situation about four or five years ago when uh, I had some offers out there, and uh, I just really wanted to go to a place and learn one more year of uh, uh, the, the things that it takes to really build a tradition and, and just a powerhouse program. And uh, there was a few schools that I had in mind, man. Uh, you know, Venice, of course. You know, that was a school that I was very interested in. And I'm going and learning at St. Thomas Aquinas, all those good Miami schools. But Lakeland is definitely the tops of the list. So working under Coach Castle, you know, the the program itself recruited me there. So um, fortunately, I don't give any calls like that. But I can say that the program itself, uh, all the longevity and just the tradition itself recruits coaches, players, fans, all like.
2: We're talking tonight with Marvin Frazier, who thankfully picked up our call. <laughs> and, if, and if you want to call and talk to him, uh, the brand-new uh, head coach of the Lakeland High Dreadnoughts, uh, 682-1430, 682-1430. Congratulations, Coach, uh, on on the new uh, uh, promotion. Uh, you say that the Lakeland was recruiting you, uh, and you were looking at, of course, some of the other high-powered football uh, high schools in the state. At what point would you say that you – Knew or that you were told by Coach Castle that you were going to be the next guy. We're getting you ready. Was that the selling point, or did that develop while you were uh, it de- here? It
3: developed. It developed. Uh, you know, there, there's a backstory to it all, but the reality is, um, no one knew. No one knew just in, just when he would leave. We we really didn't know. Um, I honestly, like you were just saying. Seemed like you know we got a pretty good team coming back. I, I definitely thought that he would come back and and take another shot at it. So no one truly knew. But uh, when I look back at it from you know hindsight, 2020, I just you can kind of see some of the things that you know some of the conversations he and I had over the years, and just like I said, just modernizing certain things and you know just little things, signals and things of that nature to some of the plays and formations, and you know just um, the, the, the the possibility of Seeing this thing take the next step, so um, you know there's no real way to finger point that, but um, you know, just no one ever knew when he was going to actually, you know, and when the day he did, it was a shock to a lot of people. It was a shock to a lot
2: of people. Well, he certainly uh, was successful, right, up until the final his final day of coaching. No question about it. And and right. and you know, Ronnie mentioned that that uh, it's it's big shoes to fill and so forth. But uh, and you you talked about the tradition there. I want to ask you about and uh, you know, if we can get into that a little bit more about the tradition at Lakeland High, the culture at Lakeland High, uh, how would you interpret it and uh, how do you communicate it to your players about what's expected of them?
3: It's hard to run away from it. You know, when you walk in the building, you see nothing but trophies. You, you see nothing but trophies, Um, especially in our football uh, field house. You see, you know, every single team is up on the walls that team picture as soon as you come in and you see the record under it and the, the crazy thing that you know most people don't talk about this but coach castle never had a season under 500 that's the first thing you'll see uh so you know it's in your face at all times the tradition and the pageantry and it took him 14 it took him a little while to win his first state title uh that's the you know now you know 50 years later we don't really you know remember how the the beginning it was a grind or whatever you know his his first three years were probably his toughest years but as, when that fourth year came i think they went 11 and 3 and they made a really uh, great run and i think they lost to uh one of those schools in the Pensacola area i believe
1: what um, i think it was
3: yeah and, and but they made a run that's what really changed everything it changed everything and um you know he he got that first title in 86 but he had been at it for a while up to that point so you know it's it's hard to run away from what you're walking into when you're at Lakeland and the players see it too. It's just constant. And the work ethic, the best part about it is it's instilled. So, you know, we're talking years and years and years and years and years of a tradition and culture. So as a freshman or a sophomore, when you walk in that weight room, you're looking at juniors and seniors busting their tail an hour after school and no one else is in there. There's no coach telling them what to do. You see it. So um, these kids really understand what they're walking into day one. Here it's just it's just a beautiful thing,
1: Coach. Great point you brought out about how long it took Coach Castle to win. A lot of people don't realize John Wooden took 16 years to win his first title right. at UCLA. Right, Very few man. people seem to know that. And, uh,
3: See, and he's the goat, right? He's, he's the best to do it. So <laughs> that's it's, right. It's something. It's something about the process, you know. Um, when I, I, I'd be scared to start off hot, you know, in that type of way because the longevity is built through the process. And that's why I'm, I'm fortunate to have someone like Coach Castle a, a phone call away because there's nothing that I'll go through that he hadn't. You know. So um, I have the, the luxury of being able to lean on him, but he didn't have that. But that's also what made him so great is because it was almost trial through errors from time to time and learning through the process and um, failures helping him become great. This It's the Michael Jordan story. I mean, Michael Jordan is viewed as the best ever, but he had to you know, go through the Pistons. had to go through the Pistons. It took seven years, and once he got there on top of the mountain, he didn't let it go. But there was something to uh, getting to the top. So, you know, learning along the way is a big deal. And I'm looking forward to those trials and tribulations. You know, my faith is in the right spot, and I know I've got the right backing and support group here in Lakeland. So, you know, it's not going to all be pieces of cream, but it's all about how we handle the adversity.
1: No doubt about it. You know, Coach Joe and I coached a flag football team together, and we brought back um, one of the former dreadnoughts, Paul Wilson, who was oh, there yeah. in that golden era to help us because kids get tired of the same message from the same person right. and, uh, right. you know, those kind of people. So how will you utilize the Rainies, the Pounceys, the, um, Paul Wilsons, those guys, will you utilize those guys to bring those back and talk to the team periodically?
3: Yes, I will. The door is always open for those guys. Those are the guys that, you know, the blessed sweat and tears built this thing. And, uh, Through our community, we've got a great community that, you know, keeps the open pipeline with all those guys. And it's nothing to look on the sideline and see 20 to 30 of them, you know, just right there in that corner end zone there. So that's never going to change. This is their program. This is their program. And I've had the luxury to speak to a good amount of them that have called me and given me their full support, which is the best thing ever. You know, guys that, you know, earned it, went out there, and and, and you're talking about some of them are multinational champions. You know, it's just a big deal. So, of course, the open line—I—I can I, I make a phone call to a few guys that are in the community. and They can have those guys here on a Thursday, random. You know, so it's just—it's a, a, its definitely a, a program that's about family first. And those guys, you know, they know that they're always welcome. That's never going to change.
2: Yeah, Coach. Uh, one of the things that has changed uh, over the years. It's different from when Coach Castle started, but it's definitely uh, an integral part—not integral, but definitely hangs over high school football now. And that's uh, with respect to recruiting. I know you didn't want to t- don't want to talk about it with respect to the kids coming into the school, but what about when they're being recruited by colleges, especially in the era of NIL? How was Coach Castle? What What was he saying to the kids about that sort of thing? And, and what will you say to them? As far as advice and counsel, when when the college recruiters come a calling,
3: yeah. So that's one of the uh, roles Coach Castle did delegate to me at the uh, the last couple of years, the last three years. Uh, I was the recruiting coordinator, so I handled ninety five percent of it, and the five percent he handled was the most important part because whenever Coach Castle signs off on a young man, you know, there's not a, a college coach that's not going to take his word for it. So uh, you know, it's all about. Uh, these young men are just getting building a bond with uh, the program. And the, we, we really emphasize the word program and not coach because this day and age college football is fickle. You know, you might have a coach there one day and the very next day he's gone, whether he got fired or he, there was a better opportunity somewhere else. It's just rare to look around the college landscape and see a coach be in the same position, especially an assistant for five to 10 years. So, um, it, it, it will be tough for any kid, for us to tell a kid that you're going somewhere, you're going to sign and play for an assistant coach, a position coach, and he's going to be there your whole career. That's, that, if that's what you're looking to sign to a place for, I hate to tell you, but that's probably not the, uh, the best idea. You probably need to look for the best fit, the location, uh, the program prestige, the, the lifestyle of the campus, uh, the academics, things of that nature, um, and, and the coaching style, and, you know, if you can get lucky – and find a place with coaches' stability, take it, you know. But that can't be at the top of it. But the number one thing is that their family and that the kid uh, really, truly preys on it and feels really settled about seeing themselves at that institution for four to five years. That's really the key uh, because, like I said, this thing goes way beyond anything that we can actually control. A coach could leave tomorrow. You know, they could get fired tomorrow. And then the one thing that we try to preach to our kids, um, the transfer portal era, Kids jump right in the transfer portal whenever they, they feel uh, that things aren't going their way. But we really are trying to preach to this class that just left, listen, guys, you know, we'll be there for you no matter what, but don't just jump in some transfer portal just because things aren't going your way today. You know, I don't know a single college football player, including myself, that uh, went to a college and was a part of a team and a program that didn't have a rough day. And just because of that rough day, it's time to leave. You know the <laughs> yeah. that, the you know? exactly. And so, so that's one of the
0: things that we're really
3: trying to let these kids understand is not always but the grass isn't always going to be, you know great. It's it's going to be some adversity, and the adversity is going to build you as a player. So, um, don't just run from the first obstacle. You know, see that thing through. We'll be there to help you, but you know, one thing we don't want to hear about is someone wanting to transfer because of playing time. Great uh, advice. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, that's just uh, we don't want to hear that, man. Let's just stick it out and let's fight for what we. Uh, came to do so, um, but this, yeah, Coach, this we'll, in, let me
1: interrupt you for one second. Go ahead, we we go got about thirty seconds left. Give us a real quick Reader's Digest version of where Marvin Frazier grew up, where you played football.
3: Okay, so um, I'm from the east coast of North Carolina. It's a little town called Havelock. Um, high school football is a premium there. If you go, if you ever there on a Friday night, you can rob every store you want because <laughs> everybody there is at the football <laughs> game. I mean, this is what it is. Um, We won a bunch of state titles there, too. And uh, everybody there is proud because we all know what Lakeland Dreadnought is. I mean, it it, it is what it is, cream of the crop program in the nation. And, um, you know, they're all proud of me. So, that's where I am. A little town, East North Carolina, about uh, an hour and a half north of Wilmington and about 45 minutes south of Greenville, North Carolina. So, that's where I resided and grew up.
1: (laughs) Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, Coach, but we're real proud of you here in Lakeland. And we look forward to seeing your additions of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts. Thank you so much Thank for being guys. on with us Thank tonight. Guys.
3: Thanks, Coach. Blessing. I appreciate it. Great opportunity. Thank you so much M- for having me on.
1: Yes, sir. All right. That's Marvin Frazier, the new head coach of the Lakeland Dreadnoughts. And uh, obviously, he's going to impart a lot of wisdom to these kids. And um, we're glad to have him. We're blessed to have him. You're listening to Ronnie O and Coach Joe on Talk Radio
0: 96.7 WLKF. Talk Radio 96.7. Ronnie O and Coach Joe sitting proud in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. And by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry shop. All right, Ronnie O and Coach Joe. Man, it was so great to have Coach
1: Frazier on. You can see he's got a lot of wisdom to impart to these Lakeland dreadnoughts. And a lot of these youngsters need that. You know, one of my favorite... Quotes is knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit, wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. And uh, <laughs> here's a quote that I love from Charles Barkley. You know, Charles Barkley says what he thinks, and he's not politically correct. And they ask him about the NBA's labor uh, management what, what do they call it? Work management.
2: Load uh, management. Load
1: management. I'm sorry. That's Wait, right. That's
2: a term that came up a couple of years ago. Yeah,
1: uh, I think I think
2: Popovich invented it or something no, like that. It sounds yeah. like
1: something he would do. No. Yeah. Well, Barkley <laughs> yeah. said this. It ain't like we're working in a steel mill. I'm pretty sure they get tired too, but they go to work every day. Load management is a problem. I love that about Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: Barkley always showed up to play in the 90s. I don't remember guys just taking games off. It just wasn't. Uh, it really wasn't done. And I don't think the schedule is really that much different. Uh, it, it In the 90s, was even better than the 60s. The 60s, they had that, that schedule and travel was a lot more difficult. And, and you know, they, put, yeah. they traveled commercially, and these are large guys, and they were squeezing the planes yeah. and then show up at the cities. And was well, probably off a go. lot of train travel back in the 50s. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. The, yeah, there might have been fewer teams and stuff, but, no, they traveled a lot. And, uh, you know, I guess banging... Banging away at an NBA court uh, night after night can gr- wear you down a little bit, but you still showed up and you did the best the best you could. You didn't take days off uh, to so that you'd be fresher for the playoffs. Uh, you just played, and you tried to do the best you could. And I know the Bulls teams of the 90s, they tried to win every game. And some people said, oh, don't do that, but they did win six titles in eight years, so they must have been doing something. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and Golden State had that mentality, too. Uh, and that won them a lot of championships. It, it seems like teams uh, that try to save themselves end up uh, underachieving. It just it seems to be hard me, to turn
1: it on and turn it off. It, isn't oh, it? It is. Yeah. 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 You just My kinda... grandson said Anthony Edwards said the same thing that I quoted with Barkley. So uh, I, I didn't know that. But speaking of basketball, the Florida Gators will have their last regular season game. As they travel to Baton Rouge to take on the Bayou Bengals of LSU this Saturday, it's Six- in Gainesville, running. You sure?
2: Well, they already played in Baton Rouge, so.
1: No, you okay? I could be. I'll wrong. double check that, but go on with the read. Sorry about that. <laughs> tip off five thirty pregame. I think you're right. Now that um, I wish they would quit putting versus in there, put so and so at so and so. That would you make know? it a lot clearer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that's what threw me off. So. Uh, I stand
2: corrected. Or I sit corrected. <laughs> you sit corrected. <laughs> okay, it is LSU at Florida on the SEC Network. Uh, All right. If you want to watch it and if you want to listen to it, as Ronnie said, 107.1 FM. What time?
1: 6 o'clock tip All right. and uh, 5.30 pregame. Nice win they had yeah. over Georgia the other night. Yeah, it was. It was. I thought that they they could very easily have packed it in for the rest of the season, and they didn't do that.
2: Well, yeah, you could see how their defense suffered without Castleton. This is the first game that they've won without him, and it doesn't look like he's going to be back. It, it, uh, he has a broken hand. You could see how it was all wrapped up, uh, and uh, I think there was surgery that was necessary to, to fix it. Uh, it. There's a chance he could come back if they uh, got into the NCAAs, uh, but uh, I wouldn't count on it. And you can see their interior defense suffered greatly, a Vanderbilt beat them with great shooting because they got open shots and, and uh, they they were pretty helpless against Arkansas. But I think, and and this is to Coach Golden's credit, they're, they're starting to adjust how to survive without Castleton and what the other players need to do to be more effective. And you could see that in their offense, the way they were running it in the last game against Georgia, that you could see the distribution. New guys were stepping up to score. And even Jatoba was playing a little bit better. He's, uh, he could be well, so
1: handicapped, too, you know, with that eye injury. He's not fully recovered from that. He got poked in the eye last year. Really bad uh, yeah. injury, yeah. Yeah, you don't think about that as being something debilitating, but think about the depth perception that you would lose – with you've you only got one eye that's really working very well.
2: It was a severe injury, and it, it knocked him out for weeks, and ba- basically ended his season last year. And uh, the sight was affected by it. And you're right; he, it is, it has been a long way back. And maybe there's, uh, maybe he's starting to to feel a bit better now, especially with getting more playing time. Uh, he's. Uh, he did a good job, a good solid job against, against Georgia. And I don't know. It's, I think they can beat LSU. I, I watched them blow a game against Missouri last night and, uh, <laughs> and they're, they're not very good this year and they're kind of in turmoil. They're, they're, they're looking to go back and, and get, uh, what's his
1: name? Wade. <laughs> yeah, you, so you don't think that Georgia is going to give Mike White an extension right now? Oh, Mike White, you know, for Georgia, uh, <laughs> Well, they don't look, really care. They, they,
2: you know, they were a dumpster fire, and now they're just a dumpster. You know, <laughs> so he has put the fire part just of it. It's a garbage can fire now. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's not a bad coach by any means, and he, he had them nice he guy. has them playing well, uh, but uh, you know the early their early success was kind of built on a schedule that was favorable, and you can see their limitations. Now the question with Mike White is always, what is the ceiling for Mike White? And the ceiling for Mike White with the Gators, you could see as as he got control of the program, the ceiling was where they are right now uh, with, with Coach Golden, uh, middle of the pack. I think the Gators are looking at an eight or a nine seed in this SEC tournament. Uh, and that's now that's playing a month without Castleton. So uh, we'll see now, is it is it the coaching or the program? We'll see if, if Golden seems to have a plan in place to get the Gators to move up the chain. Now, I think it was short circuited a little bit by what happened to Castleton. But I think in the long run, I think it, with the plan he's putting together, uh, the way the Gators play, the way they defend when they have everybody there, and and the way that uh, they are in terms of length, especially on the front court, I, I think they still rely too much on the threes. When they're hitting them, it's great. When they're not, it's a disaster. And they need to... to they're But they're starting to. And I'm, I'm seeing this. It's a subtle thing. They're starting to... Uh, learn to move the ball better on the interior and get those mid-range uh, clean looks and those passes underneath that lead to layups it was, that was lacking for the longest time it was it, only Castleton was the only one capable of scoring from the inside now other players are starting to do that um, but uh, the defense suffered too much under Castleton to uh, allow them to win a lot of these games they played in the last month and well, he it's, was he was that good
1: defensively. Yeah, what, what a force he was. And, you know, he had games where he'd scored 26, 25, 26 points mm-hmm. in, in addition to blocking three or four shots. And what doesn't show up are the shots he intimidated because yeah. they knew he was there. And you could mm-hmm. see shots altered that were missed as a result of his presence underneath the basket. So we'll, um, we'll hope that this – Australian kid they've got coming in is going to be a factor as well, and uh, I would imagine the Gators will probably be uh, working the portal this year in the off season. Yeah, well, that's the new way now they'll be working it, but uh, they've
2: they've got a lot of guys uh, uh, that freshmen that got in. Oh, trying to black Google. Yeah, thank you. Uh, he's fantastic. And and, uh, uh, Kowasee Reeves, if they can just, you know, keep developing him and seeing signs of progress with with him, he can be so good and he can also be kind of not so (laughs) much. Uh, And there's several (laughs) other guys who, you know, fudge. I'm thinking, man, that guy's such a great athlete. He could, you know, he needs to... Develop a little bit, a little bit more what he does, because he he's still a bit of a turnover machine and uh, virtually no outside shot, unfortunately. You know, I'd like to see th- things like this. Yeah, but yeah, the transfer portal is going to be important. It's helped them this year, and and it'll will going forward. It's the SEC just keeps getting tougher too. That makes it, not, oh, yeah, it Alabama really does. is yeah. so
1: good. Oh just, yeah, yikes! Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we might just have a $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Ale House. Another no, yeah. gift <laughs> Wow. Man, we're, f- we're feeding the world one person at a time. We're curing hunger right here. You're listening to Ronnie o and Coach Joe, on Talk Radio 96.7 WLKF. Hi there, this is Sammy Smith, former Florida
3: State Seminole and Miami Dolphin running back. Listen to Ronnie Ocean in the Ozone.
0: Hey, Ronnie Owen Coach Joe in the Ozone. The Ozone brought to you by Foshi Jewelers, your one-stop jewelry shop, and by Allied Scrap Processors, turning scrap metal into cash. All right,
1: Ronnie O and Coach Joe in the Ozone, and here you go. I know you're hungry, you're thirsty. And you could win that $30 gift certificate to Miller's Lakeland Alehouse. We are strictly enforcing the six-month you-cannot-win ineligible six months. All right? So the number is 682-1430. That's 682-1430. Recently, we completed an exciting Daytona 500. How many Daytona 500s did Dale Earnhardt win in his career? Was it A, 1, B, 2, or C, 7? 682-1430. How many Daytona 500s did Dale Earnhardt win in his racing career? 682 1430. There you go. I know you're hungry, you're thirsty. You can go out to Miller's Lakeland Ale House and you can eat $30 worth on us. We've got somebody already. They're located at 5650 South Florida Avenue. They've got over 40 strategically located television sets. You could have watched each one of the 40 cars in the race.
0: No, not really.
2: But. Well, that's up to the broadcasters. <laughs> yeah, from. that's
1: right. That's not our fault. That's he, their fault. Did you see down the stretch,
2: Kyle Busch mentioned or made a reference to Dale Earnhardt towards the end of the race? Yes. You know, when He was in a position to win, but because of the overtime rules. Uh, he, anyway, I'll, I'll let's get the caller, and I'll tell you the rest of that story later. <laughs> All right. Uh,
1: Rob, how are you doing tonight?
0: I'm doing great. How are you guys?
1: Fantastic. You had not won in the last six months? No, sir. All right. How many 500s did Dale Earnhardt win? I believe he only
0: managed to win once.
1: I believe you're right. You know what year? You, you win the prize,
2: but uh, we're seeing if you're going to win props.
0: 2000?
2: That's close. I think that was the year that he died. It was 98. Oh one 01 he died. He 01 he died. Yeah. So yeah, 98 was when he won. Uh, his his only one. He won it under caution. What I was saying right before we took your call uh, was Kyle Busch, if if that rule had been in effect this, this past couple of weeks ago, he would have won under caution. Uh, but nowadays they do the overtime thing, although ironically it turned out to end under caution anyway. <laughs> but, yeah. but he actually said to his crew tree chief, if this was 98, we'd have won, <laughs> you know, in the <laughs> middle of the race. I don't know if you caught that uh, a couple of weeks ago. Are you a NASCAR fan, Rob?
0: Um, Actually, I was a huge NASCAR fan until Dale Earnhardt died, and I've kind of lost interest in the last few years.
1: Yeah, I kind of have, too. You know, my son and I were at both of those races, the one he won and the one he died in, and I'll never forget, we, we had this standing event that we would do every time. We would run to our car And it was almost like there was no race. We would get out. And so when we got to the car on the the race that he died in, we had seen that he wrecked. And, you know, it looked like a harmless wreck. And so we put a tape in, so we weren't listening to the radio. And so we drove probably about an hour, and we pulled the tape out. And the first thing they said was, Dale Earnhardt has died. And we looked at each other. It was almost like we'd lost a family member. Exactly. Exactly.
2: That was a really tough time, and it affected my uh, fandom in NASCAR as well. But it was revived a few years later by the one and only Joey Logano. <laughs> Thanks to him, my daughter got interested in, in racing a little bit, and uh, it revived my interest in it. And uh, it, it's it's a lot of fun to watch, and, and there's a lot of good storylines there. And, of course, uh, we keep track of it here on the Ozone like we do all, all sports. So, uh, you know, hopefully— Hopefully, uh, you'll give it another shot. There's always that chance.
1: (laughs) There you go. Rob, hang on the line, and uh, Eric will get your information, and uh, we'll get that out to the Ale House tonight. You can go out there as soon as tomorrow and eat and drink $30 worth on us.
0: Awesome. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Love the show. (laughs)
1: Thank you, Rob. We appreciate you listening.
2: Yeah, we, we do, and hey, this week in Las Vegas, I, I predict. I don't often do predictions, but Joey Logano is <laughs> going to win this week <laughs> in Vegas.
1: Oh, go man. to Vegas and bet on it, guys. There, there <laughs> you go. There you go. I tell you, that's one of those things where you don't want to bet. There's too many things that can happen. <laughs> you
2: know, he had. You saw the race at Daytona. He had it. He was leading, and right before the the crash in the last lap. Um, uh, stenhouse pulled ahead of him slightly so when they hit the caution after the crash that had occurred behind them the race ends at that very moment and he's just a few inches in front of joey because so yeah. they kept going and joey actually crossed the finish line first but <laughs> but they declared stenhouse jr the ricky stenhouse jr the winner and good for him because uh, did you know that uh, brad daughter daughter is uh, is like the uh, his car owner Oh really? The yeah. Stenhouses? <laughs> yeah. Well,
1: was Danica Patrick riding
2: along with him? Because <laughs> they used to date. Well, we'll have to find find out more about that. You know, because she's going to be part of the broadcast team on a couple of these races coming up. Uh, they they've they've announced that. That that's an interesting story too. Yeah, but, um, but but Ricky Stenhouse Jr. You know, he 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 he's the lone driver on that team. The Brad Dowdery. That's Doherty unusual. Team. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's unusual that. A one-car team can win. Yeah.
2: Yeah, so that was actually actually a pretty cool story, except for the fact that it cost Joey Logano. <laughs> <laughs> I cried on Holly's shoulder about that uh, last week. You know, I'm over it now, guys. You get, you, you know, you got to move on in racing. These things happen sometimes. You win sometimes. Something yeah, bad we've happens. Him off. He,
1: he was up on the building, but we've gotten him down now. <laughs> He's decided not to jump. So uh, it was Daytona, man. That wasn't right. just an ordinary race. I know. It's pretty neat to have the Super Bowl the first week. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: that's a really cool time of year. As soon as football ends, then you you you're looking around, and then this jumps right up. And uh, now we're getting into baseball. Uh, have you been yet to spring training? Just started spring training game yet? I was. I went today, and uh, it was the uh, Tigers and Orioles out here at Joker Marchant Stadium. Beautiful place to watch a game. And they now have this pitch clock that uh, yeah. they enforce very strictly. The batter has to be—it's a 15-second pitch clock if there's nobody on, 20 seconds if there's a runner on. So the batter has to be in the box at the time it hits the 8-second mark, and the pitcher has to have started his uh, windup before the clock hits zero, or there's penalties involved. And they're doing it now. And, Ronnie, I love it. I didn't think I would. Yeah, but— they're actually playing the game the way we were used to seeing them play back in the seventies and stuff. They don't dawdle around. You
1: don't adjust your
2: gloves <laughs> no, twelve times. No, they got to stay in the box, or, or just take maybe one quick step out and get back in there. The pitchers can't do whatever it is they they always did to waste time. I love that. The game moves like this. It's it's. An incredible thing. If they really do keep this up when the regular season starts, I think we're on to something here.
1: I love it. I love (laughs) it. Well, I also – I'm on the committee that brings the uh, boys and girls basketball tournaments, and we've also got boys and girls weightlifting coming to the RP Funding Center. And uh, I went over to some of the games today, and, oh, man, were they exciting. Uh, A couple games, one point. You know, those kids, they put everything they have into it to see them lose on a last-second shot by one point. You know, one team's euphoric, and the other's just so deflated. But one of the neat things was that a team called um, Bellin. Um, it's a Catholic school down in Miami. It's Bellin Jesuit School, I think is the name of it. And they came in, and they brought nine buses of fans, 60 people each. And that place was so loud, I doubt their home games are any louder than it was in there tonight. It, it was so good it was so neat and those kids won on the last second shot yeah the basketball arena is
2: not really huge you're right on top of the players that must have been quite an atmosphere
1: oh it really was and i plan to go back um i don't know if i get to go tomorrow senior management has said she wants me to do something else tomorrow but saturday when the finals are on i'll definitely be there and if you haven't been you need to go over there it is just such an exciting atmosphere you don't even need to have a dog in the fight to go over there and enjoy it. I mean, every game is just jam-packed with excitement. And sports marketing with Polk County brings that to Polk County.